The sweet thing about logic is that the researcher does not have to delve into dusty books or spend a fortune downloading peer-reviewed journals. Logical research does not take much more than a good dictionary, though an encyclopedia could also come in handy. Of course we're exaggerating here, but technically not by much. Logical research looks at terminology and the meaning of words. It could be argued that logic is a science of words and how they are used. A logician looks at words and how they are used in a specific context. Words are idea pictures. Each picture has a configuration that allows it to fit in with other concepts in a specific and limited ways. We can redefine words so as to give them a slightly different configuration to allow them to be used in a different context. But our ability to do this is limited. Capital, for example, may have different meanings, but we can only distort these meanings to a limited degree. Thus, words become as or take the form of a puzzle. Capitalists can define capital as financial assets. It is possible to look at this definition in how the word is used. That is what the idea encompasses and decide if this, if this definition is accurate. That is, does it give us a clear image as to how the word is being used? Financial assets is a rather vague expression, at least for most of us. The money we have hidden in a sock drawer is a financial asset in the strict meaning of the word, but such small amounts do not seem to do justice to the word. Even a barrel of money buried in the ground does not seem to be much of an asset because it is not usable in a financial context. Indeed, if it is not on someone's account book, it probably does not really match what most economists would consider an asset. So we can look at ideas such as capital to see if they make sense as defined and used to create a clearer picture of what we are talking about. When we have established a clear picture, we can discern how well all of these various ideas fit. The key term in capitalism is private ownership. This is a very poorly defined term and has created a lot of confusion. That is a good thing for with capitalism. A good deal of confusion helps capitalism maintain its image as a viable idea. As we will discover, the more we understand capitalism, the more we realize its building blocks do not fit together. Indeed, capitalism is based on circular reasoning and definitions that serve to buttress one another, but this only means that strict definitions ultimately bring down the entire edifice like a house of cards. In other words, capitalism is logically incoherent. This does not mean socialism fares any better. Socialism was created to correct the errors of capitalism, but in fact, only serve to build on the errors and make things worse. Capitalism is composed of five elements, or five fundamental ideas. Private ownership, free markets, regulatory freedom, competition, and the profit motive. These ideas are all interconnected. The truth is that bringing down one ought to bring all down, 
but that is not how liberalism works. Liberals are relativists and believers in synthetic truth. One would have to empirically prove all these ideas were absolutely invalid before one could disprove capitalism to a liberal, and that is logically impossible. It is therefore logically demonstrable that to disprove capitalism to a liberal is logically impossible. The relativism of liberalism does not allow for absolute disproof nor absolute truth. Yet it remains possible to demonstrate capitalism as an idea is logically untenable. In logical self-contradiction is an invalidation. Private ownership is, as said, the core idea connected with capitalism. Ownership is a position of control. Control creates property. That which one controls is property, by definition. Private ownership is property under the control of private agencies. This is contrasted with public ownership, which usually refers to ownership by the state. These are not logically coherent or mutually exclusive categories. Ownership, as used to denote control, is logically incoherent. One does not control anything that one does not own. This is not a contradiction. It is a refutation of our ideas regarding ownership. We do not and cannot control nature and so do not own it. We cannot control people and so they can never be possessions. We own only what we create and neither state nor any human agent has created anything natural. Consequently, we cannot say we own nature. What is called private ownership is a modified form of public ownership. Private ownership is mediated by and jurisdictionally subservient to the state's authority. Nothing is truly privately owned. It is merely a relative state of autonomy from the state. Sovereignty is not absolute. Free markets is a term that refers to the operations of privately owned organizations engaging, engaging in trade without the regulatory interference of the state. This is logically incoherent concept as the very existence of private enterprise is dependent on the state's regulatory power. This is not to say anomalous conditions cannot exist in the short term where private owners could not and have not been responsible for their own protection. For example, pirates and drug dealers are to some degree private owners acting on their own behalf. These conditions are extreme examples and cannot be applied wholesale to capitalism. In other words, the free market has never existed because the conditions for a lawless environment in which self-regulation is a reliable umbrella for investment and trade to occur has never existed. Business people need the security of wealth sufficient to be a government unto himself or an actual government to invest in a business and this has to happen before sophisticated economies can emerge. The third factor capitalism rests on is the idea of a regulatory free environment. This is inherently irrational. Capitalism requires contracts and contracts are by their very nature 
based on the existence of a regulatory framework. Capitalism is based on law. Ownership is founded on legal rights given under the law. Law needs to be regulated if the business owner is to have the authority to regulate his or her employees. There has to be a regulatory framework within which this happens. Otherwise, anarchy will be the result. The truth is, business wants freedom for business, but serious regulation when it comes to employees and criminal elements. This brings us to the next item on the list of key concepts. Capitalism is founded on the virtue of competition. According to the marketing, competition creates winners. This cannot be disputed, but the economy is not a contest of winner-takes-all. It is supposed to be more about people helping people. A competition to see who helps the most for the least may seem a good idea, but when the help comes at a price, we ought to be careful for what we wish for. Competitions do create winners, but also a lot of losers. Is one Walmart equal to a dozen mom-and-pop stores? Let's admit the mom-and-pop operations had a higher overhead. What does this mean in terms of the local economy? Is paying more for local goods and services more damaging to the local economy than paying less for goods shipped in from China that destroys the local manufacturing base? The price of goods has to be offset by the input of wages before we jump to the conclusion that destroying the local economy is justified by the lower price of socks. We will not even get into the issue of quality here. This is a good point at which to introduce the fifth and final concept on which capitalism is founded. The profit motive is the engine that drives capitalism. The profit motive is what legitimizes the ideas about private ownership, the free market, regulatory freedom, and competition. The profit motive is supposed to create the best of all possible worlds, if the other elements are in place. It is true. People can and are motivated by greed, and if not greed, then at least the possibility of making pecuniary gain. The idea seemed logical. If I do something that has economic virtue, then why ought I not make a profit? I, as entrepreneur, have invested my capital. I have put what I own at risk to produce goods and services. Ought I not to profit from this risk-taking behavior? that ultimately benefits us all. In the capitalist conception of reality, a person driven to make a profit will be required to modify his or her greed so as to become or be a good citizen. The capitalist will not sell poor quality products because this will harm his or her business in the long term. This might be true, at least some of the time, but most businesses are interested more in the short term than in the long term. A business can always be shut down, tax claims made on the loss, and opened under another name, with the capitalist assets sheltered by corporate law. None of this is new or unknown, of course. Capitalism is based on lies. The biggest lie is the lie regarding private ownership. A business that goes bankrupt or which creates an environmental disaster, is no longer privately owned, 
The cost becomes social and a debt society and future generations must pay. Indeed, the successful business is often the one that can have costs picked up by society, while the benefits adhere solely to the private owner protected by the legal system in which it operates. Socialism as interference of the state in the operations of private organizations simply takes the things wrong with capitalism and makes them worse. And it is claimed that socialism is the enemy of capitalism. Socialism is everything that is wrong with capitalism made worse, so that anyone who embraces capitalism either sees the errors in their thinking or creates a plutocracy where the state becomes the capitalist. Private ownership is a partnership of state and private agents. Socialism is the merging of state and business into one body. Therefore, if you see problems with capitalism, the most irrational thing you can do is to embrace socialism. Things can only get worse. Logic provides a solution. Exchanges are local organizations built upon the organizational model called the Church in Scripture. As correlates of the Church, exchanges can be established with just a handful of persons, as is the case with churches. The key to an exchange is accountability. The exchange is based on clear and concise accounting. The exchange is represented by a ledger. The ledger records all commercial assets donated to the exchange to set up a commercial operation. Each member is paid for the assets he donates to the exchange. These units of accounts are issued as preferred shares. Preferred shares represents equity. Prefers are used as accounting units to record debits and credits. A member is paid for what they give and debited for what they get. Thus, the accounts of the exchange always approach zero, as debits and credits always balance. The contribution of one is matched by the purchases of someone else. For more on this idea, please visit our website, localmindsonly.com local minds only one word and access our many videos on YouTube as well as our other discussions on the local minds only podcast we thank you for listening